0: If we are dead obviously <laughs> <laughs> so I went to the grocery store and right in front right as soon as I walked in the door, I saw the most beautiful display of Halloween decorations and that means two things one, the high holy season is upon us the countdown to Halloween has begun I am So excited. This is my favorite time of year. The other thing that that means is the school year has officially started, and our favorite art teacher, Allie, has a slightly less predictable schedule. So this week, it's just me, and of course, Allison will be back. So there's no need to worry. I miss her already. And I know you do too, but maybe I can cheer you up with a spooky story because I'm Becky and New England is haunted. Our story this week comes from Stowe, Vermont. I think I'm saying that right, but without an alley to correct me, I'm just going to have to trust that I'm saying it correctly. Stowe, Vermont. Stowe is a tiny little town with a population just a little above 4,000 people. It's in northern Vermont, really close to the Canadian border. So you know it's got to get cold up there. They do a lot of skiing, a lot of outdoor recreation in that area. Pictures of the place, you know already it's got to be haunted. It's right near Smuggler's Notch which is a state park, Smuggler's Notch the State Park, which is a very dense forest. And it's idyllic in a lot of ways and also super spooky in a lot of ways. Really reminds me of Stephen King horror movie kind of towns. So it's kind of a spooky place anyway, but it's also beautiful. And one of its claims to fame are these old covered bridges. And this week we're going to be talking about Emily's Bridge. Quick disclaimer, this is not hard-hitting investigative journalism. I have a story for you. Hopefully you enjoy the story. And then I've got some history. And even though I don't have Allie with me, I'll still be giving it a little bit of a grade. And hopefully some of you will reach out and let me know what grade you would give this story. So this is the story of Emily's Bridge in Stowe, Vermont. In the early 1840s, our Emily meets the man of her dreams. She's young. She's a teenager. And he's a little bit older. He's charming and witty and apparently has a sizable inheritance bankrolling his lifestyle. He's pretty much perfect. Luckily for Emily, he falls head over heels in love with her as well. They have a whirlwind romance complete with dinners and flowers and carriage rides in the dark, sometimes with a chaperone, sometimes with no chaperone. Emily gets herself into some trouble. She goes to her boyfriend and tells him the news. She's in the family way. Surprisingly, he couldn't be happier. He insists that they are meant to be married immediately and that he's going to ask her family for her hand in marriage. Emily is over the moon. She's in love with this man. She's got a baby on the way. She can't wear white on her wedding day, but that's okay because in the 1840s, a lot of young ladies wore pink or blue or green. So, no big deal. Emily's family gives the okay for this marriage to go ahead. They prepare for her wedding. Her mother sews her a beautiful pink dress with tiny roses all along the bodice and pear shaped buttons up the back. She packs up all of her belongings the night before the wedding. She's ready to start a new life with her new husband. When the wedding day finally arrives, Everyone is at the church. You think that Stowe, Vermont is a small town now. It was a very small town in the 1840s. So the entire town shows up. They wait. And they wait. And they wait. They wait for hours after the wedding is supposed to take place. All the guests have left. The only people at the church are the priest, Emily, and her parents. The groom is never coming. Emily's parents try to console her, but she's humiliated. She's heartbroken. And pretty soon, as the sun starts to go down, all of that emotion turns to rage. She's been had. She's been humiliated and now she's a ruined woman, what is she going to do? She's brought shame to her family. Emily, still dressed in her wedding gown, runs out of the church. They can't stop her. They can't catch her. She steals the family carriage, leaving her parents at the doors of the church. She rides hard at breakneck speeds to try and catch the man who left her at the altar convinced that she knows where he's going she is headed out of town emily rides the horses as hard as possible the carriage is not new it's not built to be ridden at these high speeds and the horses are older as well they are not used to being ridden this hard emily is approaching a covered bridge goldbrook bridge she knows that she should slow down but She's been riding the horses too hard and too fast, and they're exhausted. She tries to rein them in, but she loses control of the carriage. The carriage topples over the side and to the rocky creek below, pulling Emily and the horses with it. None of them survived the crash. The Goldbrook Bridge is in Stowe, Vermont. It's a 50-foot-long, one-lane covered bridge, possibly the oldest in the entire country. It was built in 1844 by John N. Smith, who bragged that it would last forever. It was added to the National Register of Historic Places in 1974, and is the only surviving 19th-century covered bridge in Stowe, Vermont. Apparently, it's a big tourist thing. In fact, the tourists have gotten so out of hand around the residential neighborhood where Emily's Bridge is, that the neighbors are working with the city council to try and solve the problem. And yes, some of the problem is plain old-fashioned tourism, people just coming to see the beautiful bridges. A lot of it is ghost hunters, and a lot of it is revelers who are there for maybe a quick scare or a fun time um, late at night and don't realize that they're in a residential neighborhood. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. So the haunting, according to articles I found, there are a lot of things that will happen on Emily's Bridge. The biggest one was photographs not coming out or having blurred spots like orbs showing up when there shouldn't be. Um, However, there are firsthand accounts of people seeing flashing white lights in the middle of the night where there shouldn't be any. Um, Sometimes visitors hear voices from nowhere, like a woman crying out for help. They will feel warm spots on the bridge in the middle of winter, and the winters up there are cold, or sometimes they feel cold spots on the bridge in the middle of summer. There have been stories about losing a hat or a scarf when there's no wind, as though it was blown off, but you didn't feel any wind. And there have been stories of handprints materializing in foggy windows when you park a car in the middle of the bridge. Since early on, before any of these types of photographs or flashing lights or car windows, people reported horses and carriages being slashed by claws when they crossed the bridge late at night. They reported their horses being spooked and not wanting to cross the bridge, even though there were no animals, wild animals, or anything that would spook a horse anywhere nearby. Later on, people reported their car's paint jobs being scratched when they crossed the bridge at night. In a different version of the Emily story, Emily, being distraught, goes to meet her lover at the bridge to elope, but he stands her up there and in her heartbroken state, she commits suicide by hanging herself from the rafters. Some people report seeing full body apparitions hanging from the rafters, which seem to support that version of the story. And then some people see full body apparitions floating by the bridge or under the bridge Around the water, which seems to support the other version of the story where she crashes her carriage into the water. Now, the interesting part about this story isn't really the history, and honestly, it isn't really the haunting. The interesting part of this story is whether or not it can be debunked. Here's the thing. That made me want to share this story. As I was researching Emily's Bridge, I found that it came up in a ton of different places, different websites about haunted places to visit and haunted tours and spooky stories. It came up on some actual news reports. And of course, the original story came from my favorite book this early in the season, Passing Strange by Joseph Citro. I did have to cobble together a little bit of the story of what happened to lead to the haunting, but I found a few different articles about where the story originated And the thing that just blows my mind is that this might legitimately have been a story from a high school English paper. I found a website talking about the story of Emily's Bridge. This website cited a high school English paper written in 1968 that had the story of Emily. Her love affair with a stranger from out of town, her getting into the family way, and then fleeing with her lover to elope. And this high school English paper ended with the tragedy of Emily hanging herself when her lover abandons her on the bridge at midnight terrifyingly the author of this high school english paper in 1968 writes about using a ouija board on the bridge and contacting the spirit of emily and that is how the author found all of this information found out this story about why emily was there. And from this high school English paper, we now have Emily's Bridge, a story so famous in the town that nobody actually calls it Goldbrook Bridge anymore. Completely blows my mind. If I were a high school student writing a story and I had any inkling that it would take off like that, that it would become part of town lore. I would have put so much more effort into my creative writing projects. And I put a lot of effort into my creative writing projects. If that's the case, I would say I would love for that author, that high school English student to come forward and own up to writing that paper. Unfortunately, that might never happen because one of the potential origins of the haunting story was a local Stowe, Vermont woman named Nancy. And this woman, Nancy, claims that she's the one who created the name Emily and created the story of Emily's Bridge. I read that she was tired of loud parties and drunken teenagers. And so she and her friends spread this rumor about Emily, the ghost who haunted the bridge to try and scare people away. And the story just grew organically on its own. So now we have two different potential Origins of this haunting, one of them from 1968, an English paper, one of them from 1970, where a woman who claims to have lived by the bridge, she and her friends spread a rumor about Emily, the ghost who haunts the bridge. And even though the rumor started out as just the young woman who by the bridge, who you can see there, who'll scratch you if you walk across it at midnight. The story grew and changed organically and took on a life of its own until it was so well known. Now, there are two things that don't make sense to me about this. And the first thing is, anybody who knows anything about teenagers would know that spreading a rumor about a ghost would not discourage teenagers from getting drunk there. In fact, it would probably have the opposite effect. If you are going to spread a rumor about anything, it should be that cops haunt that <laughs> that area or, you know, that somebody who gets drunk down there is a narc. It's, you can't, You can't spread such a cool, interesting story and say that things might even happen, like sightings of this ghost or interactions with this ghost and expect that that's going to discourage people from going down there. That's just not the case. And I don't think anyone believes that to be the case. I think everybody pretty much knows that when there's a spooky place in town That's where you can expect to find teenagers in the middle of the night. I actually grew up in a town that had its own haunted bridge called Goatman's Bridge. And I didn't know a single human being growing up who hadn't been there at some point just to say that they had gone. I mean, whether it was during the day or for the braver ones at night, people wanted to check it out because it was our local legend. So in such a small town as Stowe, Vermont, starting a a legend like that, you're just inviting more partying. So maybe, I suppose, this woman might have been trying to encourage loud parties and drunken teenagers by the bridge and just later in life thought that she was trying or remembers it as trying to discourage it or feels embarrassed about trying to encourage those parties. But it sounds to me like someone taking something that maybe they were a part of or had heard and claiming it as their own. Um, Or maybe even trying to discourage the current problem by debunking and bringing Light that there was never a ghost when really the ghost story is much older than that. I don't know. I would love to go to Stowe, Vermont, and talk to the locals and see if anyone remembers a time when it wasn't Emily's Bridge and see if there's any evidence to contradict these two origin stories. Either the high school paper from 1968 or The rumor started in the 70s because you would think you would see the first mentions of it as Emily's bridge at some point. Either way, there isn't actually any record of an Emily dying on a bridge in Stowe, Vermont. People who have done investigations on the bridge haven't been able to find anything, any kind of proof that she existed, that this Emily who died on on Emily's Bridge actually existed. But there are a couple of compelling things that make me wonder if there might be something more to the story. So one of the really interesting stories is that even though there was no evidence of an Emily dying on Goldbrick Bridge, especially not in the 1840s, like when it was first built, there was a tragedy that happened there. Apparently, around the 1920s, a little girl fell off the bridge and hit the rocks below and died. And there's actually still people alive in the town who remember that happening. So that could potentially be a reason for some kind of supernatural or paranormal activity that's there. If because there was this tragedy and, and this young girl who died before her time. But there's not a lot of information about that. Another piece of compelling evidence was that there was another covered bridge down the road that actually burned down in 1932 and then was replaced. So there's still a bridge there. There was actually a record of a death happening on that covered bridge, but the details are gone. So it's possible that the legend of Emily's bridge was actually about a different bridge that is higher up and would explain more of what happened. Interestingly, the bridge itself... Was apparently started to be known as the Haunted Bridge a long time before the 1970s. So, even though the Emily story wasn't part of it, the actual haunting part of it seems older than that. So, there's a lot of compelling evidence that something's going on here that is not just this one story started by this one woman or by this high school paper or whatever you want to think that it could be a lot of different things coming together to create this story and that a lot of different stories have sort of spun off from it. The one that I chose, I chose because it was for me sort of romantic and like terrible. And, you know, the idea of being so angry that you make a horrible, fatal mistake. Um, I can totally relate to that. I liked that idea better than the idea of her committing suicide or in some other versions of the story it's you know she's different like she's older or it's not her it's her illegitimate children or whatever like there there are a lot of different versions that sort of pop up when you when you look into it but Either way, what's really interesting to me is that these have all kind of come together and created a new story. And so it's hard to say, you know, what's real or what isn't real, especially when there are all these different things that might have led to a haunting. One of the most fun pieces of evidence for me Probably has nothing to do with it, but I like it. That apparently, in one of the local graveyards, there is a gravestone that's just inscribed "Little Emmeline," and it's from the right time period. So maybe, just maybe, if Emily did exist, that's her grave, and the story has just been twisted and forgotten. But it's an interesting story either way. I. To give it a grade, I would give it a B minus. And I'm giving it a B minus for a few specific things. As far as being spooky and scary, the idea of walking across a covered bridge in the middle of the night and having something reach out and scratch me or touch me at all in the dark of a covered bridge scares the. Poop out of me. I just think I would be like peeing myself terrified. And I know Allie would not even be able to handle it. So I think the two of us, if the two of us went down to Emily's bridge to give it a good look see, we probably wouldn't make it across from one end to the other just because that sounds like too much. In fact, if you look at pictures of Emily's Bridge even in the middle of the day, it gets real dark in the middle. <laughs> so, I don't know personally, I don't know that I would be able to to do that. Even if I completely think that it's a rumor that's completely not real, it would still really scare me. Secondly, I think it is a real bummer that people have come forward and said that they started the rumor. It's It really does, it kind of goes back to that whole Bigfoot thing of like, you know, someone at this point, someone comes forward and says that their evidence of Bigfoot or their alien video or whatever was completely fake, but it's taken on such a life of its own that it's hard to believe either way. It's even hard to believe that something is completely fake when you've got so many other people who have experiences or stories or whatever. On the other hand, are you not going to believe someone who comes forward and says, no guys, really, it's just, it was just me. That's a tough one, especially without any kind of evidence or proof. So definitely had to take some points away from that. But on the other hand, I love the idea of how stories grow organically. And honestly, I love the idea that the tragedies of a small town that sort of get lost to history, like the death that happened on the other covered bridge that burned down, or like the death of the young girl in the 1920s, that those things might be given a little bit of new energy or new life by being sort of brought together into the Emily's Bridge story. And if you think about it that way, then maybe those memories are kind of continuing through this local legend. I also think it's hilarious that the neighborhood has had to go and complain to city council because of how annoying and inconsiderate the tourists are because, and I, what I read was people saying, like, okay, the occasional scream at midnight, you get used to. And just the fact that you would have to get used to hearing someone scream in the middle of the night because people go down to this bridge and freak themselves out so much that they give out these blood curdling screams, that cracks me up. But that it's, so often people going down there and not just like they did say it's not about necessarily ghost hunters or investigations like most of the time those are fine it's people going down there and getting drunk or being loud and the people that I read comments from they even said that they probably just don't realize that there are houses nearby because the the forest and everything. its There's so many trees and everything feels very remote, but there are houses like right there. <laughs> so if for some reason, any of you or me or Allie decide to go down to Emily's Bridge, we should all be very considerate and quiet and try not to scream or yelp. Or if we're going to, you know, do it during the day. It's still spooky. The story is still spooky even during the day. and. Honestly, wouldn't it be scarier if you were in the middle of a covered bridge with the bright sunlight on either side and something still scratched you or still touched you or you still saw a teenage girl floating above the water during the middle of the day? Ugh, I would have a heart attack. So, solid points for that, solid points for the neighbors trying to wrench their neighborhood back from ghost hunters. And let's all be a little more considerate in our ghost hunting efforts of the people who might be in and around the area. It does definitely make me want to reconsider going out with our Ouija board to sit in the middle of Elm Street, (laughs) where the Phelps mansion used to be, because I don't want anyone to feel like they have to go to city council. (laughs) Hopefully Emily has found a little bit of peace. If she really is a jilted bride or lover, then maybe we can... Bring her some solace knowing that if she were alive today, you could call out that dude on Facebook and nobody would date him ever again. Or if she's a little girl who lost her life too early, or even just someone who died at a totally different bridge, maybe, I don't know, I miss Allison. So that's the story. B minus, Emily's Bridge in Stowe, Vermont may or may not be haunted but it is really creepy looking and beautiful spooky beautiful like most places in New England so thank you for listening thank you for subscribing and rating and reviewing coming up in the next few months we'll probably have some guests if you are interested in being a guest on the show or talking about what you do please let me know you can email us at New England is haunted at gmail.com or follow us and tweet at us on Twitter. We're on Instagram and we have a Facebook page. So reach out, let us know what you're thinking, what your stories are. We'd love to hear them, we'd love to share them, and we'd love your opinion about what you're listening to. So thank you for rating and reviewing and subscribing. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, and hopefully Allison will be back next week and we'll have a full episode for you then. In the meantime, don't freak out. New England is haunted.